What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, about an hour after Ohio State's 38-7 win over Army. We're going to break down the whole game. want to remind everybody before we do that where you can find the show. Make sure to go to SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand or go on to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show by searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find this show and all the other old shows there. And in the future, any of the preview, post-game, or recruiting podcasts that we drop, you can find all of those there. But we got a lot to talk about. Ohio State, like I said, beats Army 38-7. to And to break down the game, I am joined by my buddy and my fellow Lane Grant contributor, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, how you feeling after that one, man? I'm feeling significantly better after this one than I was after the last one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel the same way. I, I want to get into that because I feel like the mood of the fan base changed as the game went on, especially as we got to the fourth quarter and Ohio State kind of put the clamps on Army. They were able to force a turnover and they ran the damn ball with J.K. Dobbins in put everything out of reach on, on a scale of, and this is like, this is so simple, but on a scale of one to 10, uh, how would you rate your happiness with today's win? Well, as you said, I think the general consensus was people kind of were happier about this game as it went on. And I think that that's true for me too. I think after the first half, I was kind of not surprised, but a little disappointed in some of the defensive play. And just in general, I think it would probably be a five at halftime. Bunch looked like they had an identity for the first time in a very long time. Uh, asked me against a, an army offense that can do some serious damage on the ground. And for the most part, I think this was the most complete game Ohio State's played this year. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, if I had to give it on that scale of 1 to 10, I'd say about an 8. And there are definitely a lot of things to look back at, at this game and, and be worried about. We'll get into the passing offense, which was still kind of hit or miss at some points in the run defense and the tackling, which we talked about from the OU game, especially the tackling and some of the angles were a bit of a problem. But, you know, when you play a team like Army that has that unique, albeit old school style of play, you kind of got to throw everything out. And I don't think that there's a lot to take away from this game going forward. But I think more so than not, there were a lot of positives to take away. Yeah, when you play a team like Army or a, a team that plays kind of a similar style, it's I don't think it's as much about you know taking away things or learning things, and I don't think we'll learn much about this team for the next three weeks yep. as they play, I want to say, UNLV, Maryland, and Rutgers. Um, I don't think that many of those... Murderers Row. Yeah, I don't think that many of those will tell us much um, heading up to that Penn State game, but um, it's good to win them. I mean, I'd rather we win this game than lose, and Ohio State won, and... I think the main takeaway when it comes to this, there are things that they obviously need to do better when it comes to playing teams like Penn State that can you know, probably actually win. <laughs> I don't think Army really had much of a shot, and I don't think Rutgers or Maryland really does either, and UNLV lost to Howard. But um, this is a good game to win, and Army and you know teams like Army can kind of sneak up on you sometimes. So I think that even if it's not 
you know, even if it's not a team like Oklahoma or Penn State, I think this is a good win for a, a Buckeyes team that needed a confidence boost. I think that a lot of the frustration in this game, more so than the offense, even though there were only 17 points at half, came from how Army, in, in particular, their only touchdown drive of the game, that 99-yard drive, was able to eat up a lot of clock. You look at the time of possession. Army held the ball for almost 37 minutes compared to 23 minutes for Ohio State. So I think that in normal circumstances against a team that doesn't run the triple option, this would have been looked at as a, as a very solid if not more so performance from from Ohio State's offense because they averaged eight and a half yards per play. So as you mentioned at, at the top of this, I think this was the most well-rounded performance, especially from the offense that we've seen so far this season. Yeah, and you mentioned that 18-play, um, 99-yard, nearly 10-minute drive. And I think, I think I'm almost kind of – more pleased that that was the only one that was like that because that's that's army's game is they like to have those long you know just sustained drives that take so much time off the clock and they run so many plays and they can keep the other offense off the field and for the most part they had they had a drive uh that went 11 plays that resulted in a missed field goal and they had a drive that went 10 plays that resulted in a uh, turnover on downs but outside of that i mean none of their drives were really all that long and i think that that really is a testament to the defense, for the most part, stepping up against the run. Yeah, Ohio State finishes by limiting Army to 4.2 yards per play, so I think pretty solid, all things considered. But to kick this off and really break it down, there's probably not a better place to start than with the offense. And on our recap podcast from the OU game last week, where we started was with the passing offense. And might as well get into that to kick this one off today. Look at JT Barrett, who was the hot topic of discussion coming into today's game. He finishes with 25 completions on 33 attempts for 270 yards, took two sacks, threw two touchdowns at 8.1 yards per attempt. It was a solid day. It was definitely a day where even with some of his completions, it felt like they left a little bit on the table. But, and this is probably going to be a theme, it was his most well-rounded performance of the year but as you alluded to earlier there were still some things that I don't know if they can be cleaned up at this point and against a team like Penn State or Michigan there's some things they probably won't get away with that they got away with today but it was at least encouraging to see them and to see Barrett take a step forward with the passing game yeah and when it comes to the passing game I think not as much the the success that they had was encouraging but I think it was more that they seemed to have an actual idea of what they wanted this offense to be for the first time this season. It came out, and it was pretty much just uh, run-pass options, which we have not seen at Ohio State under Urban Meyer yet, and that was really good to see, and those were having a lot of success early on, and bubble screens setting up slants, and eventually there was a there was a late, um, deep touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin. But for the most part, it was uh, underneath routes, bubble screens, and... Uh, run pass options and I think that that's probably the best possible option for for what Ohio State has with JT Barrett and for the talent that they have on this offense obviously it's not necessarily what fans want to see and you know it's more fun to watch a team that chucks the ball all over the field and throwing deep balls like the chip team did but yeah what oklahoma state did earlier to pit today god damn oh yeah mason rudolph mason rudolph throws a beautiful deep ball <laughs> but i think this is what works and 
when it comes down to it, Ohio State's more talented than every team left on their schedule and more talented than Oklahoma. And if they can just run a scheme where they can stay out of their own way, it's it's hard to see them not finding a way to win every game left on their schedule. They just need to actually run a scheme instead of you know, devolving to the quarterback run like we saw last week. What did you think of the wide receiver play today? You look at K.J. Hill had eight catches for 74 yards, long of 17. Paris Campbell had six catches for 54. Terry McLaurin had four for 53 and a touchdown. We saw them probably utilize better than they have been, I mean, you can say this year, but also for most of these guys last year as well. We, we saw them with those bubble screens and, and the short passing game like you mentioned but it was just like Barrett himself, a lot of hit or miss. We saw some holding calls, not only on runs, but on pass plays as well. And I think that this is probably the best way to, to utilize these players because there's not really, at least out of those three top guys there, we can get into Trevon Grimes getting some time. I think Austin Mack and, and Benjamin Victor look good in their limited action. But at least with Hill, Campbell, and McLaurin, those guys aren't deep threats. And it was at least nice to see the coaching staff kind of realize their limitations and utilize them to what they're good at. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think it was really great to see KJ Hill and Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin catching the ball for um, on screens. And I think that's really the best play to realize those guys. I mean, all three of those players are phenomenal with the ball in there. And today, I think they really showed just how good they can be. We can actually catch the ball and have a little bit of space. I mean, KJ Hill was he was great off those screens. He was consistently picking up first downs because he's able to move really well with the ball. Uh, Paris Campbell had a touchdown called back because of a holding, but we know how fast he is, and he showed it again when he has space. He's seriously dangerous. But I think with that and with the with the success they had underneath, I hope to see guys like Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor and, as you said, Trayvon Grimes, I hope to see them kind of get integrated into the office, offense as the season goes on as more of, you know, down-the-field threats to complement the bubble screens, not just as the only option, but as, a, as another option to kind of back the defense off when the bubble screens aren't working. And I don't know if that's really a reasonable expectation with what we've seen from Ohio State the last two years on offense, but... I think that that's the natural, the natural kind of way for this offense to go if they want to be back on the level that people expect them to be on. This is probably, for both Mac and Victor, their most well-rounded game as Buckeyes. Mac finishes with four catches, 44 yards and a touchdown. Victor, three catches, 33 yards, long of 16. And the, the thing to me which finally opened up a little bit for the passing game was because of the run game. And J.K. Dobbins, once again, like we cannot stop talking about this guy. On the ground, he finishes with only 13 carries, but for 172 yards. He had the 52-yard touchdown. He had, on that series with that 52-yard touchdown, two-play drive, both plays, runs to Dobbins, 74 yards, just like that. He finishes the game with two touchdowns. It's really hard to explain just how good he is. And I saw a lot on Twitter people talking about, like, oh, Mike Weber's been Wally Pipped. And that, that's probably a fair way to put it because I don't think it's really anything that Mike Weber's done. It's just that Dobbins has been so good. And it's it's great to see that, you know, when he gets that usage that they aren't really riding on Weber either. So at some point you would figure 
Weber's going to be healthy, and this is going to be a hell of a one-two punch. Yeah, and I think I I hope that there's no one thinking that this is something that Mike Weber brought upon himself because yeah. I mean. One, he's been hurt, and two, J.K. Dobbins is probably going to be a Heisman contender in a couple of years, if not this year. I mean, he's phenomenal. He's he's so so good already, and I um I made a comment in the um in the Land Grant Holy Land Slack earlier about how J.K. Dobbins looks like what we were hoping Dontre Wilson would look like, where he looks he looks fast and he he cuts well. And he does all of this while still staying on his feet, and he has that power. And he's just, I mean, he's probably the most complete freshman I've seen in a really long time. He he looked phenomenal once again, and really, he's just, I don't know how you can keep the ball out of his hands at this point, because he's so good. Yeah, I think the only thing keeping Dobbins away from being an early Heisman contender is probably the Ohio State coaching staff <laughs> from last week. That That's really it, but the way he's able to pick up yards and he doesn't mess around in the backfield for as shifty as he is you know he has great vision for being such a young player and he can make those cuts but he gets north and south and and he reads those blocks and I'll have to go back and watch the game but I still don't think Ohio State's offensive line in the run game is playing at you know a peak level of what they're going to be later in the season and a lot of times he's just picking a hole and picking a small crease and he's able to cut right through it and if he gets into the open field against linebackers, cornerbacks, or, or safeties, we haven't seen many uh, opportunities yet where he's not made those guys miss. So he's only going to get better, and it's crazy to think that this was his only his third game in his collegiate career. Uh, we'd be remiss while we're talking about the offense to not mention JT Barrett finishes the game with three total touchdowns one rushing and two passing, and he breaks Drew Brees' career, Big Ten career uh, record for touchdowns responsible for. So big shout-out to JT Barrett. Regardless of what you think about him, that's a pretty crazy record to break when you're talking about a guy like Drew Brees. And it puts in perspective just how, I think, tough a choice that Urban Meyer and the coaching staff have if it ever comes down to replacing JT Barrett. Because whatever you want to say about him, you know, the, the numbers are there, and, and clearly he's more than just a leader, and, and the passing may not be exactly where we want it to be, but it's hard to refute that he's had a pretty excellent career. Yeah, and I think even if this wasn't necessarily a, a big time, you know, throwing the ball down the field and looking like he did in his, his redshirt freshman season kind of performance from JT Barrett, I think he still looked good. Um, I mean, he completed 25 of his 33 attempts for 270 yards, two touchdowns in the air, um, 164.5 passer rating, which is very impressive. Um, and while most of those were you know, plays made by the wide receiver after the catch, he still, I think, did his job. I mean, he he led the team. He he made the correct reads on options and on those those run pass options like we talked about, and. I think for the most part he needed the throws that he needed to make and he didn't he didn't inhibit the offense and I think he just he distributed the ball to the playmakers and he did his job um and really that's all we should need to ask for from a back 
Looking at the offense overall, Ohio State finishes with a 63.8% success rate on the day. Very good. Also had 13 explosive plays, which we saw from the Oklahoma game, basically none. So to see them be able to cre create those chunk plays, whether it was from Dobbins or even a guy like Marcus Baugh, who had a 31-yard catch, it's nice that that element of explosiveness is back in, in the offense because we've, we've seen them be efficient, and we know they can definitely be efficient on the ground, and they like the short passing game. Game, but you just add a little bit of explosiveness to that passing game to add already with a guy like Dobbins and I think that that's where you're going to get the most complete version of this offense so it was good to see them do that they also finished drives better than I think they did against Oklahoma maybe not as much as Indiana it was kind of disappointing to, it was very disappointing actually to see them punt from the 35 or whatever it was inside the 40 in the second quarter. And then Army goes uh, goes and takes it 99 yards. Also, shout out to Drew Chrisman, who gets a <laughs> lot of love on this podcast for, uh, for pinning Army inside the one-yard line. So no turnovers as well. So probably the, mo the best performance offensively from them so far. And uh, before we switch over to the defense, we got to talk about him because if we don't, people are going to yell at us and I feel like it's necessary, but late in the game, Dwayne Haskins gets his run in, uh, in live action. I, I don't want to overhype this, but damn, he looked he looked crisp, I think is the way to put it. He had four attempts, four completions for 46 yards. That boy can zip the ball, man. He can sling it. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins was, um, he was throwing fastballs on that last possession. Um, it's really, I mean say what you will about his his merits as a possible starting quarterback it's really well it's really fun to watch him throw a football <laughs> he can really launch he can really launch the ball and we really haven't seen a quarterback throw that hard since Cardale Jones and Cardale Jones usually threw that hard directly into the stands but you know he looked good uh 404 for 46 yards he really didn't couldn't have really done anything better than what he did he completed I think it was probably four slants. If I remember right, there might have been a curl yeah. in there, but for the most part, it was underneath stuff, and I would have liked to see a, um, a throw into the end zone near the end of the game, but I understand why they wouldn't want to do that outside of sportsmanship reasons, just because Urban Meyer doesn't like getting yelled at by fans all the time. Um, Disappointed we didn't <laughs> run it up on the troops, to be honest. Yeah, they should have put in Demario McCall and run it up on the troops. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I I think he looked fine. It was good to it was good to get him some some actual game experience because that's I mean that's the first time he's actually played in a in a real game and you know, if we ever need a backup quarterback to come in, it's it's good that we have somebody who's capable of you know actually running the offense from what we've seen and hopefully it doesn't come to that with an injury. But it it is good to have that assurance that we have somebody who can who can come in and not lose football games yeah and I think that this was a nice little precursor or or appetizer for what we're going to see next week I would be very disappointed if the starters are still in in the late third quarter next week against UNLV that's a game where especially for the offense and hopefully more so which we'll get into for the defense that these young guys can play against UNLV and we can get a bit more of a taste of Haskins in a you know an actual not that what he played in today wasn't an actual drive or a, a simulation of what he'll face when he's eventually the starter whether that's later this season or, or next year whenever that comes 
but to see him in the third quarter and, and get run in really some meaningful game time, I think is where you're going to see him. But for a first taste, I, I don't really know how much more you can impress given the accuracy and the, the velocity and zip that he had on the football. So definitely exciting. And I, I think that all the fans should be excited, whether, whether you want JT Barrett pulled or not. I think whenever Haskins comes in, to your point, this isn't what we've typically seen from Ohio State, even dating back to Jim Trestle to see a kid like this with this type of, I guess, quote unquote, your NFL draft scout arm talent guy like Haskins certainly has that. And to, to see it for such a young kid, I think is very impressive. Yeah, well, finally, um, a quarterback who we can make fun of national writers for saying that he should switch, that he should switch to receiver. Yes, precisely. <laughs> and now nobody can get mad at us for not talking about Dwayne Haskins. Talked about him. And uh, looks like he's going to have a pretty bright future at Ohio State. So, everybody, send your hate tweets to at Matt SBN. That's where <laughs> you can do that. But moving over to the defense, we talked about earlier, there's not a lot we can learn from this game. And I think we could probably take more away from the offense. Because against this style of offense, like we said, it's hard to really take away a lot. I think my biggest takeaway, at least from an individual standpoint, Chris Worley goes out with an injury earlier in the game. I haven't checked up on, on what his status is. Hopefully it's not major, but tough Borland comes in and has, I want to say 11 tackles and he looked like or the defense, at least for the linebacker spot, they didn't look like they missed a beat. He came in there and he was in on almost every single play where he was around. So I think that his recruiting hype and the player that people talked him up to be was pretty much exactly what we saw today. Yeah. And, First of all, as you said, shout out to Tough Borland. He looked phenomenal, and he has probably the best linebacker name I can think of. Um, Tough Borland is, and it's only one F yeah, too. It's not T U F F. It's T U F. That's excellent. He's perfect to play linebacker. That's a man's man right there. Yeah, AJ Hawk already loves him. But <laughs> um, yeah, shout out to Tough Borland, and shout out to uh, Malik Barrow, the uh, defensive tackle. Yeah. He he forced the um, he forced the fumble. I think he had. He had a pretty bad injury last year, redshirt freshman, and uh, it was really good to see him getting into the game and fully recovered from that injury. So shout out to him. But yeah, I think I think Borland looked really good uh, coming in, and Urban Meyer obviously said in his in his post game conference that that Tuff did just about as well as you could ask him to. But I think for the most part, the defense looked really really well. Like they they played really well against a kind of a difficult team to play against. Um, the defensive line didn't have much of a chance to put up big numbers uh, for the second straight week. Tyquan Lewis didn't record a tackle, which is kind of concerning. But for the most part, I think the defensive backfield tackled well. The linebackers tackled well. They they looked less they looked less timid in tackling yeah. than they did against Oklahoma, which was really good to see against a team that is kind of. It's kind of hard to tackle. Army's got a lot of big dudes, and they've got a lot of linemen diving at your legs and kind of can get intimidated, especially as a defensive back. But I think Eric Smith looked good. I think Damon Webb looked good. Um, Damon Arnett had a couple of nice tackles. I think for the most part, they looked like what they should look like against Army. Yeah, agreed. I, the one thing that sucks is you just didn't get to see them in pass coverage and there was that one play where Damon Arnett didn't get turned around again, which I'm sure almost everybody was screaming at their TV at. So it was a little disappointing on that front to not really see them get a ton of work, which I'm sure we'll, we'll see the opposite of 
against UNLV. So that's, I think, where we can really have some takeaways with the defensive backs in the corner and the, and the safety play and pass coverage there. Uh, getting back to Chris Worley, Urban Meyer said post game that he has a sprained foot. So depending on the timetable of that, Definitely seems like it could be worse, so hope Chris Worley's doing all right. We should see him back on the field here, I think, by the time Ohio State gets the conference play. I don't want to play doctor on this podcast, but glad that it isn't something worse. But tough Borland in his stead played really well. Are there any other big defensive takeaways that for you from this game? Greg Schiano was on the sideline. They said on the broadcast that they wanted it to – for him to be down there to, to bring a little bit more juice to the to the sideline and to have the communication there. I don't know how much of a difference that really made or how much of that is tangible, but I, I thought all things considered that they played well. It was disheartening to see Army kind of push him around a little bit in the first half, but I thought that they adjusted well later on in the game and, and they were kind of able to out-athlete and out-dominate Army in the trenches as the game went on. Yeah, and with the, the Greg Schiano on the sidelines, if nothing else, it provided us a, a pretty solid um, fist bump gif. Yeah, I feel like Greg Schiano slow-mo video shots are going to be a thing going forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's that's his main it's his main job as defensive coordinator. I did actually, I do have one more defensive takeaway. Uh, Eric Smith, and I mentioned him a little bit earlier, he looked really good. He looked way better than he did last week, and he had a... Um, he had a relay. I think it was in the. I think it was in the third quarter where Army threw a um, threw a pass to the end zone, and it would have been it would have been a touchdown. But Eric Smith dove like five yards and broke it up. Yeah, that was a nice play. He like covered from the defensive line essentially to the end zone. It was like thirty yards in the span of maybe ten seconds, and it was really impressive. He, um, I have not actually made that play since. I mean, Malik Hooker. We saw him. With, with range like that last season, but neither Eric Smith nor Damon Webb nor even Jordan Fuller has made a play like that yet this year, and that was really encouraging to see that reaction and closing speed to make that play. Yeah, he played well. He's credited with nine tackles and two pass breakups on the day, and after we talked about him on the OU Recap podcast where he kind of got pants by Dimitri Flowers on that touchdown and got caught out of position a few times, I thought that he looked the most comfortable that he's been at that safety spot. So it'll be fun to watch him going forward in in next week's game against UNLV, against some more passing offense, to see if he's truly comfortable now that we'll be four games into the season. Um, like I said, there's, there's really not much else to take away from the defense. I thought Nick Bosa played well. Sam Hubbard didn't do a lot, but he was able to plug some gaps. He had a tackle for for a loss. Draymond Jones was his usual self. He was always in the mix. He had that one play where he got called for defensive holding, but he fought off a cut block and then another block and still made a tackle. So he's as impressive as ever as I think. And really the only other thing that I can take away from this game, other than, you know, talking about the defense and the offense, we talked last week about the kickoffs being short and not working again Kickoff coverage was not great, and Eric Smith had the tackle on that one kickoff return that could have been and probably should have been taken to the house for a touchdown for Army. So that's a little bit of a concern going forward. There's also the kickoff out of bounds to start the second half, and I know they like that strategy, and we saw it work against Indiana, but for the last two weeks, hasn't been very good, and I, I wonder if we get when we get closer to conference play, if they have a third straight week where they have some troubles, if that changes because it's been bad the last two weeks. 
Yeah, there was the um, the kickoff to Cal uh, Walker, Army's kick returner, where he was pinned at essentially the one-yard line, and they were chasing him pretty much horizontally behind the five, and it looked like it was going to be a fantastic coverage play, and he, he broke loose with a pretty basic stop move. Um, the defense pretty much just over-pursued. There were some missed tackles. Kicker kind of got dunked on a little bit. And as you yes, said, very yeah. much so. Yeah. And as you said, Eric Smith made kind of a touchdown saving tackle. But that was that was a really disappointing play because that looked like it was going to be a big time loss and just going to put them in pretty bad field position where they could go 95 yards and burn 18 minutes off the clock. But um, they didn't seal. And that's something that we haven't really seen yet this year. I think for the most part, when the kick coverage has been bad, it's been straight through where the where the brunt of the coverage is, and it's just been poor tackling. But on this one, we didn't see the usual Austin Eck on the outside setting that seal and not really allowing anybody outside, and hopefully they can get that shored up pretty soon. But with the special teams, outside of that, the special teams was really impressive. Um, Drew Chrisman, still an absolute dude with that in- that incredible punt um, down at the one Punt to win, baby. Yeah, that was... That was extremely good. I wish they hadn't done it from the 35, but it was um, <laughs> it was a fun punt to watch. Um, Paris Campbell had a pretty nice kickoff return, his only of the day. Um, he, Sean Nuremberger still hit his kicks. For the most part, I think the special teams looked fine. They just need to shore up the tackle on kickoffs. Yeah, Paris Campbell with the nice 40-yard return. I think he's been pretty good on kickoff returns this season, so that's been nice to see. Uh, the other thing on kickoff return... I believe uh, Zach Turner is his name, a homie that headbutted the Army player. Uh, you can't do that. And I'm all for somebody getting all up in an opposing player's grill, but, man, you're going to headbutt anybody <laughs> and you're going to headbutt one of the troops? Like, that's chill level below zero for our boy Zach uh, Turner there. Yeah, he, he got a little bit too excited headbutting the troops, but... To be fair, the guy he headbutted did proceed to um, target JT Barrett pretty bad on the yes. on the following possession. That one went, that one went uncalled. Which um, maybe maybe a little bit of revenge there, I guess. I wish he wouldn't have have done that to the starting quarterback. But yeah, um, generally you don't want the the kickoff team walk-ons getting called for 15-yard penalties. Yeah, it looked like they showed him on the sideline too, and it looked like Urban Meyer was telling. <laughs> Kerry Combs, like, I don't know who this kid is, but never play him again. <laughs> yeah, um, wouldn't be surprised if we saw if we saw one of the many five-star freshmen out there replacing him next week. Yeah, that definitely would not be a surprise. Um, I, I don't really have too much else. I, the one thing that I said as it wrapped up on Twitter is, you know, there's only 12 regular season games each year, and, you know, if you're lucky enough to play in the conference championship game and then a bowl game or – you know, one playoff game or two playoff games, national championship, whatever it is, I'm never not going to be happy with a 30-point Ohio State win. And I'm sure that there's a lot of fans out there that, you know, are going to look at the negatives here. And that, and that's fine because I, I think that if this team plays Penn State right now, and I'm sure you probably agree with this, they're going to lose. I think if they play Michigan right now, especially since that game is in Ann Arbor this year, they'll lose that game. But the good thing is they're not playing those games right now. They can build up. They can kind of work out these kinks. There's some of them, especially in the passing game, that I I think are just there and they're not going to change as long as Barrett's the quarterback and they run the type of offense that they're going to run with him at the helm and with this offensive line. But 
they got better this week, and that's progress. And so I think that there's a lot of things to be happy with with this win and a 31-point win over Army. I'm not going to be upset about that. I think it's a pretty good win. Yeah, I I don't have any complaints about a 30 you know, 31 point win over army. I think, I mean, there's going to be folks who are upset about this, which I think that's just kind of part of Ohio state fandom is that there are, there's always going to be people who want to win by more points. And I don't know, hopefully, hopefully if any of the people are listening to this podcast, they can kind of maybe rein it in a little bit because that's no way to live. (laughs) I mean, enjoy college football. Enjoy Ohio State. They're a good team. They're going to get better. A 31-point win is about as much as you could ask for. I had somebody on Twitter early in the game. I was like, Ohio State's averaging 8.5 yards per play regardless of who they're playing. Like, this is a good start. I wasn't like, oh, this is awesome. Ohio State's offense (laughs) is back, which I also put on Twitter from the Land Grant account. And, like, you wouldn't – I guess it's not surprising how many people were like, (laughs) you got to be kidding me. We're playing Army, and it's like – yeah, that's the joke, but somebody was like, you know, how is this good for our offense? We had a stat padded 34-yard run for JT Barrett, and it's like, listen, man, like, if you're not happy with the team averaging eight and a half yards per play, like, I, I really don't know what to tell you, but I do think even if you're a little bit of a pessimist, there's a lot more positive things to take from this game than there are negatives. It's a win, and it's a step forward as we get closer to Big Ten play. Yeah, when it when it comes down to it, um, they won the game, and that's that's what matters in the end. I mean, that's what goes on the record sheet. That's better than what happened last week. Yeah, that's the end result, and they're probably going to win their next four games, um, three games. I, they this is this is not going to be a too not going to be too difficult of a stretch for Ohio State, and even if they don't beat. Rutgers by 150 points, I think people should enjoy that game. And if they don't beat UNLV by 150 points, enjoy the game because there's only you know, 12 guaranteed Ohio State games in any given season, and the offseason's nine months long. There's no point in getting upset about a 31-point victory. Yep, well, if you want to interact with us on Twitter and talk about the game and what you thought, always be sure to follow Land Grant Holy Land and interact with us by sending us a tweet at landgrant33. You can send me a tweet. Tell me what you thought about the podcast. Tell me what you think about me and Patrick's breakdown by sending me a tweet at Dubsco. And Patrick, where can they reach you? They can reach me at Patrick underscore Mayhorn, spelled how it sounds. I hope that they don't yell at me about my love of Demario McCall. I just want my boy free. Yeah, we like all the Ohio State players. We like JT Barrett. We like Dwayne Haskins. We want everybody to succeed and prosper and thrive. And we want you the fan to thrive. And if you guys want to thrive, be sure to subscribe to this podcast by going to soundcloud.com slash Land. Find this episode, all the other episodes of the show there. Also go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe there by searching Hangout in the Holy Land, and you can go through the archive, find all the dumb things Patrick and I say and all the bad predictions we make, and all of our college football and Ohio State talk there. That'll wrap up today's show. We got some Pac-12 after dark to watch, as well as LSU currently losing to Mississippi State. Hopefully that holds up by the time our listeners hear this. So for Patrick Mayhorn, my name is Colton Denning. The spot was good. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks. <laughs>